Welcome to the Kate Take Podcast, where we are all about taking inspiration into tangible action in order to create a life that we actually freaking love. Get ready to keep it real, keep it fun, and do some cool, epic shit together, girl. I'm your host, Kate, a 29-year-old entrepreneur, former teacher, wife, Frenchie mom, and just another woman in this world trying to make her way through life. You ready, babe, to make your dreams come true? Let's do it. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Kate Take Podcast. I'm your host, Kate, and I'm super excited for today's bonus podcast because we have a very special guest today. I am sitting here with my husband, Zachary Brown. Hi, Zach. Hey. Welcome to the pod. Thanks for having me. We're, you know, in the really special recording studio, aka my office, sitting in here. If you guys could see us, we've got some blankets laying all over the ground to help so that we don't have sound. Uh, Henry is also in here, so shout out to our Frenchie. And um, Zach is our first male guest today, which is also pretty exciting, but um, the reason that he's here is that when you are all listening to this on Friday, October 30th, 2020, when this is released, it is will be Zach's official seven years in recovery from alcohol. Yeah. How's that feel? It's a big deal. It is a big deal. It's pretty freaking cool. Um, and so Zach and I, this is something that when I decided to start the podcast, we talked about right away. Um, and I had said to him, you need to be on it because you need to share this story because it is something we get asked about a lot. Um, with, you know, I, I do drink Zach obviously doesn't drink and his journey with it. So Zach is going to share his story with us today of, um, kind of his redemption story, I guess you could say in a way with his relationship with, um, alcohol and how that turned into a, uh, problem, but then turned into something that's a huge piece of him, a huge piece of our relationship with him overcoming that. Uh, I think you'll all really love it and learn a lot. So Zach, you ready for this? Let's do it. All right. So why don't you just kind of start off with telling us a little bit more about you? Um, you know, we don't have time for a full life story here, <laughs> which Zach would love to do. Cause if you know, Zach, He's long-winded. There'll be a second episode here. Oh, my God. This could be like a 10-parter if you yeah. really told us full version. <laughs> oh, my Lord. Um, but we will stick to the short version um, for time's sake here. But, Zach, why don't you tell us a little bit about you and how you kind of, like, just start your story of your journey of um, in your early 20s when you, yeah, you tell it. It's your story. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, just like everyone, right, they – had my first taste of alcohol, 16 years old, uh, graduated, you know, finally some freedom in life. Didn't really drink in, in high school at all, mm -hmm. but, um, you know, wanted to experience like, oh, now I, I have some freedom to do whatever I want and really started to now looking back, notice a lot of things that were like a problem. And, it was just kind of going par for the course mm -hmm. of like, Hey, drinking out, like drinking and, you know, blacking out. And, you know, I, I did go to community college and going to other colleges to have that college experience. Wasn't doing that well in community college <laughs> and <laughs> had to pop around to different community colleges just so I could continue to go to college. And then, um, you know, just getting in trouble yep. with if it's minor consumptions or, um, other 
troubles with driving under the influence that I just it just didn't click. So it turned from, because we were talking about this when we were prepping for the podcast and like we've talked about this before where you think about your freshman year, you think about the quote unquote college experience Mm -hmm. and what that entails. And so often it is drinking. So often it is like, we were joking about this the other day when we were talking about this with the podcast, like I remember putting warm like vodka in a water bottle when I was 18 to walk to a party. Like yeah. it was sort of the norm. Yeah, the bonfire. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. Or like the shitty basement house at UMD, who knows? Um, but when, so I think it is one of those things of like, what are we normalizing as a society even too? And I think so many people have that experience, but it's not necessarily an issue or a problem. You know, I think about myself I did those things, but it didn't turn into like a bigger deal or an addiction. So like, what did that look for you where it kind of went from like, oh, I'm partying, I'm young, I'm Mm -hmm. in college to to something more? Yeah, it's more socially accepted. Yeah. Just with with society and on things. But I think a lot of it has like, you know, reflecting back on it, there was really no clear direction on like what I was actually doing. You know, I thought it was just living for the party or trying to fit in or just this is normal that everyone else is doing it and but they're going to class and getting good grades while maybe I wasn't and I mean as you kind of add those things up there there definitely is a path Mm -hmm. and it was the path that I was going on when you continually fall and you know getting if it's a minor consumption or DWI you're always having to you know, you're take, you feel like you might be taking a step forward and then you get in trouble and then you're taking three steps back mm-hmm. and then you're constantly having to rebuild and, you know, go through if it's, you know, I remember going, I'd have to do weekends. Like I would, I would the college experience and have to do like everyone else would go to class <laughs> and Monday through Friday. And then on the weekends I would have to do uh, like a, a weekend and because I got minor consumptions oh and everyone God. else is going out and living the college dream. It's yeah. like, Oh, this isn't really adding up to, uh, the college experience that was all once typed up, uh, about, but, um, the one thing, one thing that did has remained consistent with, I guess my addiction and just alcoholism is it just never got better. Mm-hmm. You know, it just continually as it played out, you know, getting into, um, kind of where, where the wheels are starting to come off was, you know, 2013, I, I got a DWI and it wasn't my first. And, um, really my lawyer told me like, Hey, you got a hell of a track record here. Like you, you need to go to treatment to make it look good that you're being proactive because there is a problem when, mm-hmm. when you have kind of what's, what's on your, you know, your previous track up to this point. So, you know, that's kind of where I didn't know, like, you know, I was going to school, paying my way through school, working at the restaurant, working in a restaurant job as a bartender and, um, lost everything. Like all the money I'd saved because I'd work and and go to go to school. I, I literally had to give all that to a lawyer and, move out of the house I was renting with friends and go into an inpatient treatment center mm-hmm. for 28 days and had no idea what I, what, what a life that was really where I was going. Yeah. What, what that was going to entail. 
So like, how did it kind of lead though from like, you ended up in treatment, like you say you had a, a few things happen there. Mm -hmm. You don't have to go like into too, too much detail, yeah. but I think it's just important to paint that picture because I think a big thing with you and your journey of sobriety and a lesson that other people can take from this, whether they're trying to recover from some sort of addiction or not, mm -hmm. is the fact that like sometimes you hit a low and you're like, okay, this is as bad as it's going to get. Yeah. And then you hit another low. Like I know I've experienced that in other realms, not with drinking, but in certain low points in my life where you're like, oh, okay, well this is as bad as it's going to get. And then I think a, a reason also it gets worse is because you're not doing that self-worth. So you let yourself fall even farther into despair or whatever it is. So like, how did it go from like, I don't know if you just want to talk a little bit about like, what did that look like to like all of a sudden end up in treatment? Like was treatment rock bottom? Like, can you, like, do you know, like, I guess what I'm trying to ask is, did you know you were in rock bottom when you were there slash like if someone's listening to this and they're thinking, shit, am I, am I rock, my rock bottom? How would you even know that you were there? Yeah. I thought that was my rock bottom. <laughs> going, going to treatment. Oh yeah. I thought that was, that was like, this is the worst it can get. Yeah. And fast forward a little bit after, after that. And I mean, that's the part of addiction with what I said earlier, it doesn't get better. It doesn't just like flatline, like, Oh, you know, you hit this line and it's just going to be like that the rest smooth of your life, sailing. smooth sailing. Like if there's a, a problem, it just compounds. Yeah. So, you know, from, you know, losing everything and checking into treatment, um, you know, the next step from, from that inpatient treatment for 28 days was, I had no idea going into this. This was like all like new to me that they let me know on the last day, like, okay, so Zach, um, we, now your next, next phase or next step is a, a halfway house. Mm. So you're going to spend three months in a halfway house where you're going to have, um, you know, treatment, mm -hmm. you know, with, with small groups and, and, um, other meetings and where do you have a preference where you want to go? And I had no car. Like I literally, yeah. you know, just got a DWI and had nothing. And I said like, Hey, I lost, I, I need to find work. I need to, you know, pay some for some of this stuff off and kind of get my feedback under me. So I said, Hey, let's go to Minneapolis. I can get on the bus line, figure something out yeah. down there. And yeah, that opened up like for me, like talk about like, look back on like where you're growing as a person with character. And like, I'll always, that will always stick out to me. Like that's where I, um, like the school of hard knocks, yeah. Is yeah, call yeah, it, totally. right? But I mean, that's from a white suburbia kid growing yeah. up to living in a halfway house in downtown Minneapolis. They'll teach you a few things. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so people, there are a lot. Everyone's a lot. You know, comes from a lot of different walks of life. Totally. But you're all there for that common thing. It, it shows you that addiction it can touch anyone. It doesn't matter if you're in the nice house in suburbia or if you're the yeah. person you see walking down the street, right? It's kind of an yeah. equalizer in a way, I suppose. Obviously, there's different, well, yeah. <laughs> Life's so crazy with that. But um, so when you went to treatment, was that something that you you went because you're, like, why did you go to treatment? Because you sought it out? Because someone told you to go? Your probation I mean, I, officer? Yeah, if we're being honest, I, I sought it out because... I needed to look good. Mm -hmm. Then I was like, Oh, I need to be proactive. Like 
this, like I'm doing something to show, uh, you know, this, this pending case yeah. that I'm, you know, not boozing or I'm not just, uh, continue to be like a degenerate on yeah. uh, society for alcohol. Totally. So, so what would you say to the person who's listening to this, who maybe has someone in their life who's struggling with addiction or struggling with yeah addiction and they won't go to treatment? Like, what is your, your stance on that? Because I know I've heard you talk to people about that before. Do you think, do you think you have to make that choice on your own? Because did it, I guess a question is, did it work first of all? And second of all, what would you say to someone who's trying to get someone into treatment? Like, yeah. Um, well, I think at, at first, like you have to admit that, like you have to be willing. Like I went to that treatment and I learned a lot. Mm -hmm. Like I learned a lot of tools out of that, but I didn't necessarily apply them all. Cause it was so brand, it was all, it was a new walk of life. Like you got to think like I'm showing up into a small group, and, you know, it's completely, I'm living under a different roof, you know, very different from how, like the community I was raised in, mm -hmm. you know, half, half were, you know, it was a gay, transsexual, all different kinds of walks in life. And they're, they're throwing all this at you to, you know, like tools, tools to fundamentally like help you in life to stay sober. And it was just a lot of change of my identity of who, what this new life looks like. Yeah. Just and, different perspectives. Yeah. Different perspectives. But, um, I, I would say that the person has to admit there is a change there, there, there needs to be a change and there's a problem. Mm -hmm. And I think I finally, like I said, it, it, that's where treatment started. It didn't end yeah. from there. So, um, yeah, that was a, that, that was a, that was a good starting point to like, notice the tools in my tool belt, but also like, but put those things to work. And I think that's such yeah. a key thing in life where it's like, you can hand someone, like I'm we're sitting in my office, I'm staring at a shelf of my personal development books. It's like, you can be handed the tools and that's what this whole podcast is about. It's like, you can be handed the tools, but if you don't choose to do shit with those tools, the tools don't fucking matter. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It's like, it's, it's applicable of, I think that lesson of what you just said there, where you can lead the horse to water, but you can't make it drink where you have to want to change, whether that's for you, that was in your sobriety eventually for other people that might be in their negative self-talk. It might be in how they speak to themselves. Like you can go read every book on self-love, but if you don't actually then look in the mirror and implement what you learn and actually talk to yourself nicely, it doesn't matter how many books you're going to read. Right? So so you went to treatment, you had these tools, but you didn't fully apply them. Yeah, I just wasn't, I don't think I, the confidence in yes. who I was didn't, didn't hit. Cause I, I mean, I'm, I, I needed to, like, I was like thinking about what my next step was. Yeah. Right. It was like, oh, I need to find a job. I need to start making money. I need to get back on my feet. Right. <laughs> I'm dying because this is the most <laughs> on brand of Zach yeah. Brown ever. So it's uh, <laughs> always 14 steps. Yeah. But there are some great things like taking, like I still to this day, like I'm really so grateful for that experience. Yeah. You know, grateful for, like I said, someone completely different than me. Mm -hmm. I was really close and got to, got to meet and was really close with a person who was going through transgender mm -hmm. at the time I was there. Uh, and she, it was crazy. In my small group, it was just, it hit me 
so much that how much we have similar to each other yeah. than that we have differences. And um, I'll never forget when like we would, we would have, you know, groups and meetings throughout the day. And then, you know, we'd get time late afternoon to kind of, we were close to downtown. So I'd, we would walk to the library. I would walk to the library every day and start applying for jobs. And um, like, I, I'll never forget just asking her if she wanted to go down to the library and get out of yeah. the house and how much courage it just took to do that. Mm -hmm. And then the looks that we would get just walking and it was just like, my gosh, like I'm sitting in this room learning her story and my story and how they're very similar. But it's just like, it just hit me so much of like, man, it, 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 it was sad. Yeah. It was just like, well, sad it's just proof that we judge from yeah. the outside. We don't know that. Yeah. You, we all have these, these common strings at the end of the day, every person just wants to be valued, loved and appreciated, yeah. you know? So it was, it was those things, not only just, it was a lot of character things that yeah. just like taught me through going through some of the hard things that are for like forever grateful, like things that taught me about life Yeah. too. Some through some of the, the Hey, you the, just said school of hard knocks. Yeah. So. Some of the shit there you go. You, you learn, you learn oh adversity through some of that. Yeah. This future baby's going to get, get the school of hard knocks talk a lot well, someday. Well, huh? See that bus line down there? <laughs> Oh my God, you guys never go downtown Minneapolis and Zach ever, because if you do, it's like, he's like the grandpa who's like, well, in my day, I walked 50 miles. Like, see that number 17? Oh my God. Bus? It's the best. But I'm always like, yes, honey, I know your story. I love you. Yep. I'm so proud. I mean, no, not every time, but sometimes it is. It's every time we go downtown. Um, but I love it. Okay. So let's kind of, you know, you went to treatment. What happened after treatment? Yeah. So got a job in the restaurant you know, making money, working six days a week, just surviving, getting my, getting money in my bank account, having to pay off fees. Um, yeah. And, and I literally didn't, I think that was like just top of priority. I'd never really built a community was so everything was like new, just very uncomfortable with like being sober, just being sober, being who I was. Yeah. I, I kind of like I don't know. I didn't talk to my friends a lot because there was a lot of embarrassment and shame. Yeah. And knew like, hey, I need to, I need an overhaul here. I need to like get my life together. But there was just a lot of disappointment. Yeah. Just of like where I was at. So it's crazy how it like all like leading up to that and then working multiple jobs. I had a couple different restaurant jobs going on and then like that was when it was like getting to like my rock bottom is when I couldn't, I had no, I had nothing built up. It was just like working and living every day. And I had, I just like, it, it got to a point where like the drinking just started just to try to fit in. So how did it, can like, I ask, like, yeah. how did the drinking start again? Like, was it like, Oh, I'll have a beer on my shift while I'm bartending. Oh, like I'll have a, cause you said you didn't really have a lot of community so yeah. it's like, how did that, cause I think that's a question that we get asked a lot is like, or I think an assumption that happens a lot with people will be like, well, they went to treatment. Why did they slip up? Yeah. And it's I, like, think, I think it was just, it was not making that a priority. Yeah. Really. It wasn't like, it's like, okay, I can work 60 hours a week bouncing two different jobs and I can make sure, you know, I have money in the bank and I'm, you know, going back to school. But at the end of the day, I was just like, what's the point of this if I'm not 
good. Like I'm not good in here. Like in inside, heart, yeah. you know, if I'm not good inside, I was still like battling some of this stuff of who the hell I actually like what this new life was all about. And I was like living, like I wasn't dealing with the shit. You weren't dealing with anxiety or I wasn't, I wasn't, issues. Yeah, or, I wasn't yeah. actually getting down to some of the root problems of, of why like, you were drinking, of why I was yes. drinking or like alcoholism, admitting that there was a problem. Yes. Well, and I think that's a big thing that we talk about all the time. And this is something we both have people in our lives who have been in recovery for a long time. And this is something I wanted to touch on too. Zach and I were talking before the podcast of, do you say that you're in recovery? Let's touch on this quick. When you're speaking to someone who has now been sober, do you say that they're sober or do you say that they're in recovery? Yeah. I mean, you could say both. I, I just, I, I like recovery because I think it's just never done. Yeah. You know, like just for today. I'm, yeah. I'm, in, I'm sober for today. But like, I think recovery is you're actively working. It. Yes. You know, you're actively showing up. Yeah. You're I really love like that. Doing, doing the work. Yeah. To, you know, we're all, we all have all character defects in mm -hmm. different ways, shapes or forms. Totally. So, I mean, I'm flawless over here, but you know, yeah. <laughs> just kidding. That's why we make a whole podcast of all the stupid shit I've done. <laughs> so we can all get better. Yeah. Um, but no, I was going to say is that Zach and I both, Let's see, your grandpa's been sober for in recovery like 40 for 40 years. 40 something yeah. years. He's such Over. a badass and yeah. he's so funny. I love, shout out to your grandpa. He's the best. And then my grandpa was sober for 29 years. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, the thing I think to think about with all this, like we said, you think it's linear, you think like, oh, I'm drinking, I have a problem, I go to treatment, I get better, now I'm sober forever, mm -hmm. where really it's it's kind of like that that meme we've all seen of like success, where it's like really like big zigzagging line, and as long as that zigzagging line is going in the, the trajectory of up, yeah. right, you're still going where you want to ultimately go, yeah. um, but I think that's something that we also, in this conversation, is to realize that like alcoholism and addiction, it's a disease, it mm -hmm. is something that it's not, I don't know, because I think you'll see someone, you're like, oh, why, don't, why can't they just get it together? Mm -hmm. And it's like, because it's a disease. Like, you know, it's just that's something I get pretty fired up about because it's like, let's have some understanding here of this. It's like people aren't choosing to want to be a shit show. Yeah. If I can use to that. suffer. Yeah, right? you know, it's like, it doesn't feel good. It's yeah. like people, people don't choose that. So I think like when we come in these conversations, it's like come around with an understanding heart and empath empathy, right? Yeah, because compassion of because it's like everyone's fighting that internal battle that you don't know. So anyway, that's my tangent on that. So, okay. Um, what, what happened next? Yeah. And then, and then let's talk about, so like what happened next and then slash like I mean, I really kind of personally want to fast forward once we meet, but first I want you to tell yeah, us it's about coming, it's coming. Soon. It's it's, coming. <laughs> yeah. So kind of like hit that rock bottom where the wheels came off, came off, right? It was just, <laughs> there were like, no couldn't, wheels. <laughs> couldn't like the functioning alcoholism was like real. real. And it just got to a point where, but functioning, but not, not. <laughs> how much can you really yeah, be really, a functioning? It catches up with you just like yes. anything will catch yes. up with you. Like you can't eat McDonald's every day for the rest of your life. It's not going to catch up. Yeah. The compound effect. Yeah. Compound effect. So yeah, it, 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 I was, I was still in, I was in school. I went back to school and I just literally like wheels came off and it, being in treatment, working with someone, they're like, Hey, you've, you've done the inpatient, you've done the, the halfway house. Like, Let's get you into an outpatient program. I was working two jobs, 
and let's get you four days a week coming into this outpatient program. It's going to school full time and let's start there. Mm-hmm. Wait, is this the bench story? The bench. The lady that you Oh, this the isn't bench. the bench story, but that's <gasps> the day to... I got sober. Okay. Yeah, the day. So like the wheel, the wheels came off and I remember like my mom was starting a new job the next day at the hospital. And she picked me up just off the floor, literally just a pile of shit. Yeah. And um, we had to go, she had to get new uh, um, scrubs for work. Okay. And I, I was just withdrawing from alcohol. And she, I was just like, I cannot be in here. Like, I need to go outside with some fresh air. So I sat down on this bench outside. And as I'm sitting there, this woman asked me on the same bench, she's like, Hey, how, how is your day going? And I look at her and I'm like, awful. <laughs> it's going absolutely awful. I'm withdrawing from alcohol and I feel like a pile of shit. And this woman goes on to tell me that she has, is waiting to get picked up by the Metro mobility bus because she cannot drive herself to the store because of her addiction through alcohol and drugs that it has caused like permanent brain damage that she can't function. She needs people like, like her family, like, like basically like has lost everything with her family because she, you know, went through the addiction of drugs and alcohol and never did anything. And she can't even like drive herself to the store. And I'm sitting here first, first day, like withdrawing, trying to get sober. I'm listening to this story. And I'm just like, like for me, one of those aha moments it's like the is ghost always, of Christmas always reflecting of like, yeah, like you got two routes you can go here, pal. You can go down this one and this is what your future is going to look like. Yep. Or you can really take that hard look at yourself and go down this other route. It's going to be, it's going to, there's well, going to probably be some challenges. But it's, it's that <laughs> yeah. notion of choose your hard, like, like sobriety is hard, mm-hmm. but so is being an alcoholic. Yeah. Like being unhappy in your life and having to make those small changes of whatever it is for you. Maybe it's your weight. Maybe it's your health. Maybe it's your mindset or your relationship. It's like, I just like the notion that things just get to be easy for us because we choose to make a better choice is, is so stupid. It's like, it's choose your heart is, is truly a, 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 like a way to live because you can find joy in that journey once you you know, climb your way out, but it doesn't mean that healthy choices or positive choices are easy choices. And I think that's such a good lesson to take from what you just said. And I freaking love the bench story. I'm always like, yeah. I always, I'm like, oh, I feel like I've never heard it, but yeah. I love the bench story. So no, I love that you just said, choose your heart. I think it'd be harder to live a life drinking and well, yes. drugging and doing that and have all these dreams to like never fulfill oh, wait, because yeah, you, can what nev- if? you can never do. Like, yeah. I think that would be like internally, that would be harder. Absolutely. To, like live. I think for anyone, for anyone, I think for anyone who just doesn't make the choices to fucking make a change yeah. in their life, it's like, cool. Well then live. I think living your whole life with what ifs and what could have been's are, are so much harder than the failure. I mean, you failed multiple times still to fail. try to get sober, <laughs> Yeah. but you did it. It's like that. It's harder to have what ifs than not. So, okay, let's talk about once you got, so you, you did the outpatient, you had this moment with this lady, you got sober. Yeah. Uh, fast forward a tiny bit. And I'll say that when we met, 
I didn't know it at the time. We'll, we'll tell this story in a second here. Um, but Zach at that point was 11 months sober. So in those 11 months from the time you really made the choice to the time you made me, what are the things that you were doing? So I met you. Yeah. Um, it was staying busy. You know, I was going to school full time, working. I got a job at the YMCA. I got a job at Lens Crafters. And then I got a job back at Sammy's. Well, and do you think that was also applying? Because you had, you said you were busy before, but then you started drinking again. So what was the difference this time with staying busy? Yeah, it just it, it <laughs> hit me in an outpatient. There, there was like that, just hearing the stories after about going for about a month, there was like a shift Yeah. of if I, I don't know, I think it was like the survival mode of mm -hmm. just like, I have something to do today and I need to just go and do it. And all those small wins every day of mm -hmm. just like showing up and doing, if it's going to my, going to class and then going to um, like a meeting or if it's going to work, like every day I had something on my list that I was just like, I need to just show up. And what about, what about health and fitness? Did that was become, huge. that was I, a huge I, the part? First, the first year I worked out every single day. You were a freak when I first met you. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so you stayed busy, you had a job, you were finding health and fitness. What else were you doing in that time in those 11 months before we met that you were- Personal development. Personal development. Absolutely. Like, I didn't know it at the time. Didn't know it even had a name, probably. I didn't know it had a name, really. I would just, like, YouTube videos, watch church sermons. Yeah. You know, as I'm on the bus or biking- I didn't have a car. Yep. <laughs> so I was like taking Oh my the, god, that black bike. Taking the bike out for a, a, a bike ride to work or taking the bus to school or just getting around the city. Um little did I know like that was fundamental to I mean So it wasn't even really any one thing in your experience once and I mean we can talk about now. Now it's been seven years. Yeah, so obviously crazy. you have a lot of tools and we're we're gonna go into that with our relationship and the things that he does now. Um but it, you know, it's a combination of things to change your life. And that's the thing with, um, the compound effect. It's never just one thing. It's, it's many things that you piece together over time consistently that change your life. Mm -hmm. Um, so <laughs> should we go to when we met then? Yeah, let's go to when we met, you know, taking, taking the bus, biking into this Sammy's. So know, Zach worked snow. at a little, yeah. so Zach worked, one of his jobs was at a local pizza joint called Sammy's Pizza. If you're in Minnesota, go to the Coon Rapids location. It's amazing. Shout out to Nick Brooks. Um, but at the time I was in my first year teaching and I was only a few weeks into it because we met the third week of September. And um, I was out with my coworkers um, because we had just chaperoned the first school dance and we were like sitting down in this back room and it was literally all my coworkers, like my principal, my vice principal. So it's really funny because all my like old family that I used to teach with at my school, they still are like, we were there when you met. Like it's, it's pretty fun. Um, but I didn't know anything about Zach, but he was my waiter and I thought he was super attractive <laughs> and he had like this hair you guys his hair was so I mean Zach has like the best hair ever I literally pray every day that this future baby gets his hair and his teeth because his teeth are perfectly straight and he didn't have braces side note um but anyway I just thought he was so cute and at the time it, where I was at it's so funny too because Zach and I talk about this a lot like his rock bottom in like 2012 
looks very, you know, 2012, 2013. Like it's so funny because parallel other universe, that was probably my, one of my worst years of my life too. Not because of drinking, but you know, a couple years later, by the time that we met, I was just like done with guys. Like I was like, and I don't know any of the single females out there, men who are listening to this were like, I'm done dating. That's kind of where I was at. And I was just like, whatever, I just want to have fun. And anyway, thought he was cute. And I was like, gosh, I leave my phone number for him. And my teammate, Rachel, she like co-taught with me. She was like, just do it. I mean, and I was like, I don't know. Like, what if that's awkward? Like, you know, we're going to come here all the time for happy hour and stuff. And she's like, just do it. He won't even remember you if he doesn't want to um, talk to you. So I left my phone number with a smiley face in my name. And two days later, I got a text from Zach. And that is how we met and went on our first date. And what's really funny about it now is I didn't know anything that he just told you. I didn't know anything about him. Literally, it was, I thought he was cute. And so we went on our first date. We met at the restaurant. And then for our second date, he asked me to pick him up. And I <laughs> didn't even think anything of it. Also, like, shout out to, like, fuck gender norms because who cares? I was like, yeah, I'll pick you up, whatever. So pick him up. And we literally on our second date, we went out to, for Thai food and then we went to a Perkins and we got pie. So if you know Zach or I, you know that like our thing together is pie and it's because of this night. And so on that second date, you told me everything. Like yeah. you laid it out. Like we were having so much fun and I was so into him and I was just like, gosh, this guy is so like authentic was like the, the main thing. Like good looking. What? I already said that. Okay. Don't keep going. Well, like I said, you were a freak that first year of fitness. You were like a psycho. Um, but anyway, um, so yeah, he told me everything and, you know, told me about how he was only 11 months into his sobriety, told me he didn't have a car, why he didn't have a car. He was saving money, like told me about the DWIs, everything. And I could have run. And now I look back and I kind of do giggle because I'm like, oh, I must have really been blinded by how cute I thought you were. But really, this is a conversation. This is something I've been asked before. For me, it was authenticity and it was honesty. Like I had been in relationships before where people were not honest with me. And for me to have someone on a second date tell me everything, it just to me showed your character of like, okay, this person is is honest and they're trustworthy because they're telling me these things. And like I said, I've also, I was raised in a house where, you know, my dad's dad was sober for all those years and it was talked about. Like we knew that grandpa didn't drink the wine at mass. <laughs> Shout out to like all the recovering Catholics growing up. <laughs> but like we knew those things about my grandpa. And so I didn't ever look at your sobriety as like a bad thing. I always saw it as a positive. And I think we need that in society more is like looking at someone's recovery or sobriety as a positive thing. Cause I think you think about who they were, not who they currently are. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, um, we met and the rest is history. I mean, we basically started dating right off the bat and now we've been together for six years. Mm -hmm. Um, Tuesday, uh, is our November 3rd is our anniversary. So our second year anniversary is on yeah. Tuesday and I'm, we're going to have a baby in April, yeah. which is fucking crazy. Yeah. Still processing that one personally over here <laughs> on this side of the office. Um, but you guys, Zach and I get asked all the time how we make our relationship work because I do drink. I obviously don't drink now. Don't call anyone. I'm not drinking while I'm pregnant. Um, but 
I have a glass of wine. Like I'll go out with girlfriends. And so some questions we get asked is like, how do we make that work when maybe you're listening to this and you are in a household where you are with a spouse who's trying to get sober or you're trying to get sober and you're trying to communicate this with your spouse. And of course, Zach and I are not licensed people to, you know, we're just two people that are going through it, but there's a few things that have worked for us throughout the years. Um, in our relationship, because I value Zach's sobriety, like it's like a top, top, top thing in my life. And I'm not even the sober one. Um, so we kind of want to talk about four things for us that really have helped us navigate this in our life. So the first one is just crystal clear communication. (laughs) Zach and I probably over communicate (laughs) because we really talk about a lot of things. I'm a talker. I'm a chatter. You know, so is he though. So, but it's a good thing. Like I said, that second date, I mean, okay, I want to ask you, I don't think I've ever asked this. Were you scared? And do you remember like deciding, shit, I'm going to tell this girl everything. I've never, I don't think I've ever asked you that. I don't know if the word scared. I was like, I was going to school full time and working three jobs. So every day I had either, yeah, you were I was working, so, I was working so every busy. day. I was working every day. I didn't so have I a like, car. <laughs> I was literally, you know, I was just like, I might as well just like throw this thing. Wait, can we side note for a second? Thing out there, there, there are times that Zach used to literally snowshoe to work. <laughs> I'm not even fucking kidding you because he didn't have a car and if he didn't have a ride. So anyway, um, so were you just trying to tell me that you were going to be really busy? Like, I mean, you told me every, you told me about, you told me about all of it. I, I mean, I just was to a point where I just, I don't, do you think I just, it was a little bit put it out there? Do you like, think Hey, it, this is who I am. Like literally like, this is who I am. If this is going to work for you, like let's yeah. get this thing out in the, let's True. Get out in front of us. Like, I don't want to waste your time. And mm-hmm. I like the little time that I had, like yeah. if this is the, the juice is worth the squeeze on this. Let's, let's talk. I about kind it. of hated that analogy, but okay. But no, I, I mean, that is something that would either send someone running or make someone, I mean, I didn't run, so here I am. Um, but I think forever in our relationship, talking about um, your sobriety, your recovery, feelings, everything is a number one thing that I think helps both of us. Um, and I think that leads right into the second thing is knowing your boundaries. So we, again, Zach had this conversation with me right off the bat, but I also had to have the conversation with him. Like, Hey, I still like, I kind of wanted to know, like, can I drink in front of you? Cause I'll be honest. I was like, I don't want to give up drinking. I don't have a problem. Like, not that I'm like, yeah, rager every weekend. And I haven't been like that since probably college. Um, but it was to know your boundaries. So for us, personally, Zach never cared. He was like, yeah, if you have a drink, like if you, you know, if you, he just never really cared about that piece of like, if you were cool with it. And also at the time, Zach was a bartender. So he was at the bar and working at the bar. And also he was always the stinker who'd be like, here you go, Kate, like, here's a drink at the bar. Come see me. (laughs) But in a way that was like, obviously responsible, but knowing our boundaries. So there are certain things, or even for me, where we've had those conversations where like Zach doesn't care, obviously what I do. I'm, I'm, can do what I want in my own life. But there have been times where it's like, I've gotten hammered at a wedding <laughs> or I've had those instances where we've had that conversation where Zach's like, that made me uncomfortable. Like that kind of was too much. Um, or certain things like social events, like if we're out and about and, um, we're in a, a situation that maybe like, for I always use this example, like Zach will come and like hang out at a bonfire 
But if the bonfire turns into like everyone's passing tequila around, he's like, I'm out. Or if there's a party bus, like that's yeah, not going like, to come on a party bus where like the main point is to just get shit faced. Yes, we're going to throw in like food and dessert on that party bus. You know, <laughs> it's might, a dessert party I bus. I might take two, two tickets on that <laughs> thing so I can get, uh, you know, a couple different. But I think, I think things like that are so key. Um, other conversations we've had are, you know, do we keep alcohol in the house? I mean, again, I'm not that big of a drinker um, normally. Like, I mean, I just. I just don't, I'd rather like get dolled up and go out with friends, but with COVID and with being pregnant, like that's not happening anyway. So knowing our boundaries, which I think, again, if you're listening to this, you're like, okay, this is great. This is great to know about you guys, but my, my spouse and I aren't dealing with sobriety. You still need to have crystal clear communication and boundaries with your spouse to have a good relationship. Right. Um, the other thing is both of us do a shit ton of self work. We both read personal development. We both, you know, lean on faith. We, Zach attends AA every week without fail on his Wednesday night. He's got his group. Um, I attended Al-Anon for a period of time. Um, I haven't been because now of COVID and not being able to go in real life. But Al-Anon for me was huge. And I can just, if you're listening to this and you have anyone in your life that's struggling with drinking that you are close with, go to Al-Anon. Find an online group, Google it. That's how I found it. Um, and I attended with a friend at the time who had a, a qualifier in her family that she wanted to go with. But it seriously it is so so good. And I, for a long time, was like, oh, I can't go. I I don't go to Al Anon. Like Zach's not currently drinking. But we had so many good conversations that came from both of us attending those things and doing the self worth. Um, and then I think the last thing is just trust. So. I, this is a question that came up when I asked on the podcast of things people wanted answered was a lot of people asked, are you ever afraid Zach will slip up? Which I thought was so interesting. Mm. And maybe it's because we live in a culture where we're so used to the other shoe dropping. Yeah. <laughs> but I just don't, I just, am, I just trust him. And I think all those other things, again, applying this to your own relationship, even if it doesn't deal with a sort of addiction is like, you have to trust your partner. You have to trust the person that they are, just like Zach has to trust me in our relationship too. And so I think those four things really... I think a lot of that though is like, as this has gone on, you have people who... What, your sobriety or me? <laughs> um, it's now looking at now, like being in like an AA group with, a, a, you know, guys who, you know if there's things that are like, you, you can see things, I mean, the character defects of things are just coming up where you're just like, man, like something's, something's, I'm acting weird. Like I'm something yeah. like, I, I think the, the accountability of being open, I think like the, the open and converse, like just having conversation, like I said earlier, like we have a lot more similarities and differences yep. and it takes a bigger person to come up and talk about some of these things. If like, when we talk about alcoholism, it might not directly be you, right? Mm -hmm. And that might, might, I might like Kate, you not an alcoholic, Yeah. but even before you met me, did you know an alcoholic? Yes. Like, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, you, the, like, I feel like there's different people can relate in different ways totally. on how it shapes their life. And I think the more, if, if there is like struggling, obviously like seek out like some help or like yeah. reach out to someone. If you don't know anyone, like, shoot Kate a message or me or someone, yeah. but it's like, I think it's just being open to like have a conversation if there are problems, but the person obviously like 
has have to totally. think there is a problem and admit the problem. Yep, absolutely. And I think just, you know, as we are starting to kind of wrap this up here, um, you know, seven years, Zach, you've now been in recovery for seven years. And so maybe someone listens to this episode and they send it to their brother who's struggling or their best friend, or maybe they're like, well, this is great, but my XYZ person, my dad's been trying to get sober forever and he's just not like, what would you say to that person listening to this? I would say that life gets a hell of a lot better than you will ever dream of. Like the things that I've accomplished now coming up to seven years, seven years when this comes out the yeah. day of, I would, I would have been at a place that I never seven years ago would have dreamed of. Mm-hmm. Like it's like, I felt like my dreams 10 X and it's just continually, continually like growing. Like it, it, we, we make all these reservations in our lives of like, Oh, I'll never be able to like drink at that wedding. Yeah. I'll never be able to go mm-hmm. to like Vegas and like stay up for two days and party like yeah. a rock star. But I think like once you like you work, <laughs> you work on yourself and you get to a point of feeling confident on what this new, like the opportunities that it brings. It, it, it's some, like, none of it's worth it because your life is so much better. Totally. You, you're, you're sick of the lies. You stop lying to yourself yeah. and lying to other people where it's like, why the hell would I ever want to go back to that yeah. and, and free fall to this life that I'm currently building and have built. So yeah. I think I would, I would just say, Every, everyone, everyone can, you know, relate to wanting to do something new yeah. and, and making a change. I just think too, it's like, it's that lack versus abundance mindset. You think that you're giving up something and we do this all the time in our life in multiple areas. It's like, there is no lack of success. Like you can, you can achieve anything you want to achieve just because you're giving up something or you're shutting a door on something doesn't mean that you're not opening up the door to something better. Right. So, um, Zach, I'm freaking proud of you. Seven. I always say on on year 10, we're going on like a really fucking cool trip. We're going to do something epic. I love that. This year, not so much because hashtag, I'm not even going to say the word. I'm so sick of the C word. I'm glad we have that on the recording here now. What? I've said that forever. You could, yes, I'm going to Italy and you're paying. (laughs) 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 Um, all right. Any, any last words? I mean, Zach. We got, we got a big year ahead of us. We've we got do. second year of marriage, right? Yeah. Second year of marriage. All of a sudden, I was like, wait a minute. We got a baby. We got Henry, per usual. I mean, damn. We've come a long way since no car and and where we are now. I mean, I had a car. I had a Buick Saver. It wasn't you, very cute. Picking <laughs> I was yeah. picking him up. Um, any final parting words? Thanks no. for being on the pod. I would just say uh, thanks for having me. Thanks for having me. Be honest with yourself. If... Uh, you're sick and tired of being sick and tired. There's resources, people. Yeah. And we're going to um, link at the end of the podcast show notes here. I'll put in um, just like a few resources. If you yourself are struggling with addiction, or if you share this with someone um, who is, and even if you're not, I just hope that you took away some of these lessons of first of all, like, like redemption, like a rock bottom, maybe your rock bottom is something completely different than alcoholism or whatever. But just know that you have the power and the tools within you. If you take that action, and you take this inspiration to actually go and fucking do something to change your life, you can. But I think the key thing is you cannot do it alone. 
you cannot do you cannot achieve your dreams alone. And so we will link some resources for you guys. Um, and then Zach, where can people, I know you're not a big social media dude, um, but where can people find you? I, I'm like laughing, even asking this, where can people find you on social media? Yeah, that's at Zachary O. Brown. Big poster. Big Instagram. Big Instagrammer once a year. Yeah. Probably going to get an anniversary post on November 3rd and then when our baby is born in April. But if you mess, Zach, he did say before this, he's like, if people want to message me, please do. Like if you're, you just need like a person to talk to about this to then get set up with resources, you can, you can get into Zach's DMs. Yeah. That'd be awesome. Um, and of course you have mine too, but Anyway, Zach, thanks for being here. I love you. Um, and everybody else listening to this, thank you so much for continuing to listen to the Kate take. I, Zach can attest and he can say this is very true. I literally do a happy dance of joy when I see a written review or a five-star review on um, Apple Podcasts and subscribing and sharing and tagging. You guys have no idea how much that means to me, so keep that up. Um, and of course, you can find me on at the Kate Take uh, podcast Instagram, as well as on my personal Instagram at underscore Kate Brown. And you guys, we will see you next week on the Kate Take. Bye.